Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, we'll finish up this central portion of the Paramatma Sandarbha and continue forward into the last portion. Basically, Paramatma Sandarbha has three portions, Antaranda Shakti, an understanding of Paramatma directly, what is the Lord's involvement in manifesting the material world, and he has involvements of evolving the material manifestation, metacosmically is the terminology that's used here, meaning uh, Karnadakshai Vishnu, from Karnadakshai Vishnu, lying in a causal ocean, is imagined to be there and lying, and from him spring forth various universes uh, from the pores of his body or uh, from his breathing or whatever way you want to conceive of it, if it's in line with Shastra, basically the Lord is manifesting unlimited universes from his form in one way or another, but they're coming forth from him. And then those individual universes he enters into in a macrocosmic manner as the Garbhodakshai Vishnu, and he lies down in an ocean, uh, sometimes it's said of his own making or of his own perspiration within each universe. So within the universe, he's taking rest again on uh, Sheshanag. He's manifesting from his very self, which is comprised of all of the jivas are with him in that form for that particular universe. There's unlimited universes, there's unlimited jivas, but they come out in a systematic manner. So within each universe, as uh, Garbhodakshai Vishnu, we have the conglomerate of all the jivas together in that situation, and one of them, the number one jiva in that situation, becomes a Brahma, and he manifests on the uh, a lotus flower coming from the Lord's navel. So we can conceive of all those jivas as one, and then the, the, the most pious, the most saintly, the most qualified, he comes forth as a Brahma. So you have this conception of a, a Haranya Garbha, all the jivas together, not yet individualized within a universe. So they're all resting together and Brahma takes birth and Brahma needs to know what to do and he finds out, he inquires and he meditates and the Lord actually reveals himself to him. And he, in that revelation, all the specifics of the duty that he's going to perform, the service the Lord wants him to perform in the matter of creation is revealed to him. So he's, and he comes in different manifestations conceived of as different, different levels of, of, I wouldn't say intellectual capacity, but the capacity to manage a universe. So the universes are not all of the same uh, quantity. 
some are very large and some are conceived as very, are very much smaller. So we have a small universe. Our Brahma only has four heads. But from what we find out from scripture is there's universes that are much larger, much more to be managed. They require much more attention to detail and those that attention to detail is manifest by that Brahma in additional heads. So there's one Leela where we find that Brahma, supposedly our Brahma, it could have been any Brahma, went to went to the Lord and wanted audience to discuss some important some important matters of universal management. And he, you know, he knocked on the door and he was greeted. And, uh, the Lord's servant said, can I help you? He says, well, as you can see, I'm Brahma. Look at me. Here I am. You know, can't you tell? I have four heads. The servant said, okay, uh, what can we do for you? Well, I'd like an audience with the Lord. So he said, well, just wait a minute. Let me see. So he went and he inquired from uh, from Krishna uh, in his manifestation as Vishnu. Um, Brahma's here. He, he wanted to have a little discussion. <laughs> and Vishnu said, well, which Brahma was that exactly? <laughs> so the servant goes back to the door. Which Brahma are you? And and he said, well, I'm the four-headed Brahma who's the creator of the universe. And the servant goes back and, you know, he's granted ent- entrance. And he said, well, I have some things to discuss with you. But before we get to those, I'm a little bewildered. You're, you know, your uh, your servant, your doorkeeper, he, he introduced me as the four-headed Brahma I thought I was the Brahma. I'm the creator of the universe. What is this which Brahma? Why was this question even posed to me? Which one are you? He said, well, yeah, there's actually a lot of universes. And he said, well, I can give you some idea. Now, he called at that time. The Lord called all his Brahmas. Please, you all come. So immediately, Unlimited Brahmas showed up, and some had four heads, some had eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty, a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand, uncountable. So, and and they all came in this their stature in this vision that our Brahma had was he was a he was thumb size maybe or smaller these other Brahmas were much larger and they were only aware from the Leela we find out some of the commentators have said they were only aware of their having audience at that time with the Lord they weren't aware of all the others except for the Brahma our Brahma supposedly who was who was there and, and wanted to know who were you referring to with all these Brahmas? And he was, well, he was quite quite amazed to find out that, wow, based on my stature in comparison to these other Brahmas, 
I guess I have a little job to do because <laughs> these guys have much more capacity than me just in a, in a physical sense, so to speak. So Paramatma is manifesting. Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garba Dakshai Vishnu, and Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. Within each universe, he actually enters along with the jiva into the individuated bodies that are afforded by material nature according to, well, as we left off in the last class, referred to as daiva, providence. Could be re, could be translated as providence. What's that mean? We have accumulated prior impressions and reactions based on our involvement in the material world. And when the material manifestation comes again, then we take off where we left off. So it's a continual process. Unfortunately, it's not always, according to Shastra, it's not always a progress in one direction. It can be stagnant, it can be advancing, it can be declining. So based on how the living entity conducts himself within the material nature and the modes of material nature that he brought forward into this life, he can either advance himself or he can actually slide backwards. You can re-enter the animal kingdom from the human form of life if you conduct yourself in such a way um, that doesn't lead and, and support your progress. So this, this is the term we left off with, this diva. Uh, this diva is the cause behind the creation. It's, it's really the it, it is the it is what fuels the next manifestation of the material universe. These jivas have a potentiality to play out that was stifled at the end of the last creation. It 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 met an end point. It couldn't go forward. The Lord wrapped up the material universe and there's all these jivas there. Some are going up to the heavenly planets. Some are going down to the hellish planets. Some are entering into the, the bodies of siddhas, perfect, perfected beings due to their austerities as yogis. Some are entering into the bodies of animals due to their sinful life or due to their to their, the cruelty of the, the existence they led in a human life by killing animals, well, kill and be killed. And they can actually, you know, they so this accumulated, unrealized reaction to actions within life goes into a, a state of suspended animation when the Lord wraps up a creation cycle. So it states here that, well, we need another creation. They need to, they need to play that out now. They need to, 
well, as we as Swami was discussing quite a bit when he said here this last time, the Parabdha Karma needs to play itself out. Um, and especially for the devotees, for the transcendentalists, it plays itself out in such a way that even though they are liberated, they are actually free from karma by their engagement in transcendental activity. And hopefully for us, it will be the activity of bhakti that also eliminates karma. But there are other transcendental paths also eliminate karma, jnana, yoga. Here it's stated that the reason for the next creation cycle is that unfulfilled daiva. So daiva can be looked at as unfulfilled impressions that you carry forward, unfulfilled reactions that you haven't had experience of. And specifically what jiva comes to at the end of this Paramatma Sandarbha is that the, the reason, the real reason, he says, for the material manifestation is the Lord is only concerned about his devotees. The others, eh, it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's devotees that haven't finished their course of action. So that, that really interests him and is enough to wake him from his slumber to fulfill their potential as his devotees. They've shown some interest. They've begun the process of turning their consciousness towards him. They've advanced to a certain degree. And at the end of a creation cycle, they, they may not be completely mature in the development of their bhakti. So because of that undeveloped bhakti, they need to play out whatever residue parabdha karma may be there and they need to finish this, the involvement in bhakti that will gain, afford them complete immersion in prem bhakti or unalloyed devotion. So, Paramatma brings forth the universe to met out the results of the jiva's past karma or to facilitate from the from the from the bhaktas viewpoint to facilitate the bhaktis that haven't completed their cycle it's a matter of how do you look at the world so how do the devotees look at the world they see everything through the eyes of devotion so other people can see the scriptures and say well it's just because of karma unplayed out karma the universe comes the universe has to manifest again the devotee says no, Krishna is only interested in devotees. He doesn't need to make the material manifestation for any other reason. So it's a matter of viewpoint. And we have the, the, the advantage of being afforded the discrimination to see what would be considered two opposing opinions regarding the manifest of the universe, the manifestation, and we're able to recognize rec- recognize them and reconcile them and appreciate both of them. So now we will go through a quick summary of what we've covered in this uh, middle portion of the 
Paramatma Sandarva in relationship with the Jiva. There's just some points here that will uh, bring it to a close uh, regarding the intrinsic qualities of the Jiva and what's been presented in this, this center section of the Paramatma Sandarva. So it's a little list here, 11 points. One, the Jiva is the knower of the field of the psychosomatic organism and is thus called Shetrajna. So that was, we remember that from the very beginning. Two, Paramatma is also a Shetrajna, but he is the knower of the field of all bodies. So we're, we know what we're up to. He knows what we're up to and what everybody else is up to. That's God. And he can keep it all straight. Sometimes, I mean, we're a small ashram. Bhakti Ross keeps keeping us sometimes. He, she can keep track of all of us. Right. Imagine, you know, imagine uh, the guy that heads up Google. How many people, some people. And imagine our Brahma, our little four-headed Brahma, and imagine that Brahma that has a million heads, how many people he's having to keep up with and manifest the different bodies for them and put all those different demigods and, and, and have that all under his charge. So, so Paramatma, he's, he's conscious of all that. Uh, yeah, inconceivable. It does not really fit there how that works we have a hard time remembering the conversations we're in the middle of at this age sometimes three Paramatma is the primary Shetrajna because he does not depend on anyone else he's completely independent he's not affected by the modes he's, he is the manifestation manifester of the material universe in all those three forms He's the regulator of the universe through his manifestations as Lord Vishnu, Brahma, and Shiva. So not only does he manifest, Paramatma manifests himself as these three Vishnus for the creation of the metacosmic, macrocosmic, microcosmic features, micro, within the heart of every living entity. Uh, but he also regulates those living entities through the influence of the modes of material nature which fall under three regulators, Lord Shiva, Lord Brahma, and Lord Vishnu which are also manifestations of himself. Well, you could say, well, I thought Brahma was a jiva. Yeah, where did the jivas come from? They're, <laughs> they're, they're a manifestation of Paramatma's energy. Of course, the Brahma is what? He's the topmost living entity of all those living entities. The Haranya Garva, the Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, so he's the, he's the topmost entity. So moving on. The jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma's intermediary potency 
So not only is he the potency of manifestation in three forms, the potency of regulation in three forms, controlling those living entities through the influence of goodness, passion, and ignorance, but he's also he is the potency that manifests the the Tathasta Shakti. It's one of his energies. The Jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma's intermediary potency. Five, the Jiva is ever distinct from Paramatma, both in its conditioned as well as liberated states. So, in one aspect, the Jiva is part of Paramatma as a manifestation of his one of his energies, Tatasta, intermediary energy. And in another respect, the Jiva is always distinct and individual. Uh, again, the point was made repeatedly through the verses that make up this center portion and in the commentary that we should never be bewildered about the by the adwaitant, adwaitant presentation of the fact that there is in in the ultimate state there's no distinction. No, there is a distinction and there will always be a distinction whether the jiva is within the material influence or the spiritual influence of the Lord. The antaranga or the bahiranga, shakti. Moving on, the Advaitavad view that Brahman alone is real and that the jivas are merely a product of Brahman's conditioning by Maya is not supported by scripture. There may be verses that could be interpreted in that way, but ultimately those verses have to take a secondary consideration in regards to the preponderance of evidence regarding the distinction between the Lord and his various shaktis. Those are the primary presentations of Shastra. Others that make it seem like there's a non-distinction are, 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 are within the umbrella of the distinctiveness of the very Lord's various energies. The jiva is atomic in dimension, eternal conscious, the referent of the pronoun I, endowed with agency, knowership, and experiential capacity, imperishable and free of all modifications. That's just a few. Actually, we had 21 major characteristics, intrinsic qualities of the jiva. So here in this summary, uh, we're just reminded of there's a lot going on in what what really is our the nature of our being. Uh, it's not that we just we're, we're spiritual consciousness. We have that spiritual consciousness in and of itself has shaktis, and those shaktis are inherent in us. Although we're small, we last forever. We're eternal. We're conscious. 
We are the I. We have a sense of self. The referent. We are the referent when we think of I. Uh, we have the ability to to accomplish something, to do something, to exert our consciousness, either within the material realm or the spiritual realm. Um, and we can have awareness, knowership, and we can experience in both realms. Imperishable and free of all modifications. All that's going on but we ourselves remain the same. Those influences don't change us as far as what our essence is. Uh, there's a distinct jiva in each body, but sometimes there's bodies within bodies. So we can have a body within our body. A mother can have a body within her body. We can even have an intruder within our body in the form of a virus or, Lord knows, other things. A tapeworm. <laughs> you know, can imagine that. I've never experienced one and I hope I never do. <laughs> I know people that have. Huh? I know people that have. So, within each body, there's a distinct jiva. Within bo one body may have a few, may be host to a few. Sometimes they, you host them on the outside and sometimes they invite themselves in. So sometimes you'll see a, a, a huge water aquatic like a, a whale and he'll be carrying all these other living entities that have taken up full-time residence on his, on his body. Um, in the state of dissolution, the conditioned jivas remain within the body of Paramatma along with their karmic inheritance, daiva, what we just discussed. There are two types of jivas. This is the conclusion se concluding section that we discussed last class. The jivas are considered of two types. There's only one jiva as far as what the jiva is. It, it is all those things that are inherent. But we say there's two types. What are the two types? They fall into two categories. Those jivas can be eternally conditioned, bada jiva, and eternally liberated, moksha, siddha jiva. So, there's not two types in that some of them are Black and some of them are white, or some of them are some of them are have an inherent capacity to have one relationship to the Lord, and some have an inherent capacity to have another relationship within their conditioned life. They're all the same, but two types in that some are falling under the jurisdiction of the Lord's external energy, bahiranga, and some are under the influence of his internal energy, energy, Ataranga, or what we call Swarup Shakti. Those eternally liberated and devoted to Bhagavan, Nitya Mukta, 
and those in the beginningless state of bondage to phenomenal existence, Nityabhada. And last, the Nityabhada Jivas can become liberated by surrendering to Bhagavan. So you can move from one classification, here it's referred to as type, to another classification. And you only go in one direction when you make that move. Krishna states that in the Bhagavad Gita. Having once gone there, you don't come back. Contrary to what some people may think or some people may have heard under very distinct preaching philosophy necessitated by time, place, and circumstance, there's no falling from the transcendental realm. If we can, if we think that that is a possibility, then we really need to take additional toolage of regarding the overall siddhanta of what the Bhagavat Purana has to offer. Because if we accept that as an absolute presentation and maintain that kind of a consciousness, a lot of the discrimination that that is necessary for us to make and understand fully the Lord, especially in his transcendental abode, which we aspire to, becomes very difficult to comprehend. And that difficulty in comprehension is something that we need to overcome. That difficulty presents itself as an anartha. It's a misplaced value. It's something we heard from the spiritual master to help us not run in front of cars when crossing the street. But at a certain point, we need to become mature enough to be able to look both ways with fine discrimination and go forward in spiritual life and grasp the more subtle points. So staying away from the street is necessary, but at a certain point, you might want to get to the other side. So as Bhakti Rakshak Dave presented it, we were constantly in a state of acceptance and rejection. Not that we're rejecting anything that's Krishna conscious, but we're rejecting a lesser instruction for a more comprehensive and, and wonderful presentation which now nourishes us. Just as the young child He wants to play with his friends across the street. There's a lot more there. The parents' home was nice. His own toys were nice, but he's ready to go out in the world. He wants to. He wants to explore. You know, at certain times he can run to his parents. Please hold my hand and carry, walk me across the street. But after a while, it's like, can you not kiss me when I'm getting out of the car at the school? I don't really (laughs) want people seeing you do that every morning. It's interfering with what's going on in my life now. 
It was okay back then, but uh, it's not so good now. A little discrimination. So we get that in good association. So with that, we will, we've wrapped up and we're ready to move forward into this third, yes. Can I ask questions at this point? Sure. Okay, so you said there that the jivas are all equal and it's being classified as is being called types. Yeah, just the um, nomenclature of type is being yeah, used. Yeah, just siddhas and then the jibadas. Right. Well, I mean, it just really seems to me, of course, it just could be a chronological mind, but it seems that they're not all equal. If all the jivas have been since existence, they've never been created. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference, because mm-hmm. there's two different types. It seems mm-hmm. that that difference has had to have been there since their beginning, which didn't happen, creation. Mm-hmm. So it seems that there has to be two types, that they're actually not equal. There's two different kinds. They're not equal. One's they're equal as far as their intrinsic qualities. Intrinsically, the niche of... Siddhas are favorable to the Lord, and then the right. are not. Right. The nitya siddhas, the nitya siddhas are influenced by the Lord's internal potency, and the nitya bodhis are influenced by the Lord's external potency. The jiva itself is the same jiva influenced by two different energies of the Lord. Under one influence, what he's 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 in that tree pod vibhuti. He's eternal. He never, he's never going to, he's never going to, to conceive of himself as a body subjected to birth and death, and because of that, he's fearless, mm-hmm. and no anxiety. No anxiety, yes. But that seems so much better than when you're your father. Is that what you're saying? Well, is it? Well, it is. It is a lot better. We're striving to move to that side of the equation. Well, I, I mean, I see the difference now, what you're saying. is All the jivas, the jivas are equal, but because of the influence upon the jiva, mm-hmm. that's what makes us tatasta, is what's influencing us. Right. What environment is influencing us? We just in? drew the short straw. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe you drew the long straw, because... Because we because, can have the mercy of the because, Well, yeah, you're going to be able to go through... You're going to be able to go through a process of purification that's going to be very glorious well, for you. I guess that's enough to get us up in the morning. But anyway, I mean that's just how it is. That's that's fine. That's, just that's fine. Are we going to allow Krishna his freedom? Yeah, it's fine. Krishna's now, allowed now to I have. I understand what you're saying because it seemed like there were two types, but it's one type being influenced differently. Yes. Okay. I had a question. Yes. Number nine, and I may have written it down wrong, but I, but I got it's like in the state of dissolution, mm-hmm. we remain in the body of Paramatma. Mm-hmm. Understand? Did, I thought it was the jiva's acquired characteristics adhere. Hmm? That's what I got out of it. <laughs> so that your karma, whatever you, whatever state, sticks with you. You stays with you. Yeah. Even though you're unmanifest, even though there's no way... Oh, when you're in the unmanifest... Yes. That's the dissolution. In the state of dissolution. 
Okay. But in the state of disillusion. <laughs> so when the Lord's not manifesting the material universe, you you apparently are completely pure at that time because you're just in his body. You're not active in either you're not active in either of those two energies of the Lord, either the eternal or right, you're in a place of subsupti. But that diva's staying with you. And well, do you ever get purged of does the Jiva ever get the slate wiped clean and start over? Yes, the 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 slate being wiped clean was is a state that we would attribute to the Jivan Mukta, okay. which has not been influenced by Bhakti, like a Sukadev, like the Kamaras. What? But not like when the Lord, when the whole universe is wrapped up. And all yeah, you're completely clean. You're as you're as good as completely. You're rebooted. Yeah, when you're but when the universe comes about, yeah. then all that that was there becomes manifest within that environment. Now, within the material universe, once you've entered the material universe, you can enter you can free yourself from all the influence of all the parabda karma and all the and that we call the jivan mukta like the like the sukadev like the Kamaras. When Satya Yuga comes again, you Mm -hmm. can't have Jivas and Satya Yuga who are carrying their karma from Mm -hmm. Kali Yuga. Why not? Because how is it going to play out in Satya Yuga? Well, yes, but you're looking... If you're a cockroach in Satya Yuga, you're just a cockroach. There wouldn't be cockroaches. No, we're, we're you're hitting on something that we are going to discuss, and it you are you are you you do have a proper concept there, but you also have to understand that Paramatma is completely that this the the manner in which the material universes are managed are is beyond our comprehension. So those jivas in the human form of life that are manifesting in a Satya Yuga, we're going to see they have certain very powerful as you say well they're practically liberated yeah. from the way you know even, the way it's even, so even the insects in Satya Yuga would be of some doesn't say the insects no <laughs> it's not going to be insects there's not there's got to be insects you have to have bees to pollinate the flowers well, that's different that's different and all the mosquitoes and <laughs> <laughs> no mosquitoes and stuff in Satya Yuga mosquitoes don't suck your blood I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, then you're depriving them of their their food stuff. I think this is a point of contention. I mean, I it's a it's a matter it's a matter of imagine that the Lord has a completely perfect system of management. So if at the end of a Kali Yuga, you're completely immersed in the mode of ignorance. You're not going to get that body at the beginning of Satya Yuga that is attributed to the human form. Okay, you may go down, or you may you may have to be placed in a different situation, either in a lower or a higher planetary system. So therefore, I mean, it's multi-dimensional within a universe how all this plays out. Krishna has, huh? Well, that we don't know. I can't. I can't, based on everything that I've read, 
positively affirm that the jivas within a universe travel to another universe. So it, you haven't read that in I have not come across yeah. that, but it certainly does, there certainly seems to be that kind of a possibility, at least for the bhaktas that are being, that have reached the level of, of bhava to the maturity that they, they're able to take birth in the Lord's Leela. But then again, for them to be in a suspended state or a, you know, who knows how the Lord plays it out. They may, they may have to wait till he comes the middle of a day of Brahma, but that may only be according to Brahma's calculation. So it's not just the next day at noon, they're going to enter the Leela. Not that they are going to wait for four Four million eight hundred and you know whatever, whatever the the light the span is in a human form, because they're already in a in a perfected. Form. So, just imagine the universe is multi-dimensional. It's multi-time things. It's it falls with. It's hard to grasp within our tiny brain. So within a universe, all these different things, higher and lower planetary systems, the different measurements of time experienced by the different living entities according to their level of perfection. I mean, even, even ourselves in one day, sometimes a portion of the day goes extremely fast and sometimes a portion of the day goes extremely slow. So we, we're having to, sometimes we can't even calculate time ourselves within the realm of our own experience. You'll be working in the middle of a project and you go, oh my God, I've been doing this for two hours. It doesn't seem like I've got anything done. I, I got to go do something else now. Then you go start doing the other thing and you say, my God, is I'm ever going to, you know, this is taking forever, you know. So let's just keep ourselves open to the endless possibilities of the multiverse that we live in. That it can be beyond our comp, beyond our measuring capacity, and let's just leave it beyond our measuring capacity. Because when we measure too much, we call that Maya. It doesn't mean we don't measure at all, but we measure with some fine discrimination. So, I, anything else? All right, well, um, I want to start the middle section, the ontology of Maya, Bahiranga Shakti, the instrumental Nimita and constitutional Upadan uh, aspects of Maya. Anacheta 48 will discuss the extrinsic energy. B-A-H-I-R-A-N-G-A. A dot over the N. Thank you very much.